Welcome to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. This week, we have two short stories for you. The first one is called Protector by Mike Brow. And dear listener, if you want to share your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Garrick took a deep breath as he slowly laid back into the soft grass. For as long as he could remember, Garrick had preferred the peace of nature to the crowded lifestyle of towns and cities. But more than that, he loved the woods and the wildlands for its simplicity. Townspeople were greedy, eating till they were fat, and buying things simply to show complete strangers that they could afford such luxuries. Nature, on the other hand, was very much the opposite. Take what you need to survive and protect it. These woods were Garrick's home, and he would do anything to protect it. That's what brought the spirit of the forest to visit Garrick in his dreams so many years ago. One day, while lying in the grass, much as he was now, Garrick heard voices coming from nearby. Curious, Garrick quickly climbed a nearby tree and watched as two men slowly came into view through the branches. Hunt us, Garrick said softly to himself, and noblemen, if their clothes and fat stomachs say anything about them. Garrick slowly followed them from above as they turned to go deeper into the woods. Traps should be around here somewhere, said the larger of the two men, who was dressed in an obnoxiously flamboyant tunic of yellow and purple. Hopefully, there will be something that will make a good fur hat for Eloise, the other man said, dressed more sensibly for walking in the woods, though still sporting a hat with a gem and a ridiculously oversized eagle feather. Chuckled and replied, Doesn't she already have a small trunk full of such things? The first man laughed. Of course she does, but she's bored with those ones and wants a new one. Both men laughed as they continued through the woods. A short time later, the men came to a stop. There it is. Looks like a small wolf got caught. Was hoping for a fox or some, but it'll do the trick. Garrick looked through the leaves and sure enough saw a young wolf laying on the ground. Instantly, feeling his blood boil and surge. He had spent enough time in these woods to recognize that this wolf was part of a pack that had claimed the area. Unfortunately, unable to help their young one, the pack probably decided to leave it behind. The wolf growled as the men approached. Well, let's put that mangy thing down and get out of here. Eloise is sure to make a good meal for me after this. Just as the man began to pull a knife from his belt, Garrick jumped down from the tree, drawing his scimitar as he fell upon the men and slashed at the men's hand as he landed. The men fell back. The larger one who was holding his hand was now bleeding. Who the hell are you? He yelled. Do you have any idea who I am? No, Garrick replied. Nor do I care. You're fat and greedy, like every other noble that lives in the city. You come and go as you please, taking whatever you want without a care in the world. I've spared your life today so that you may pass this message to all the others that would enter these woods for their own pleasure and greed. Failure will result in consequences far more dire than a mouse scratch on the hand. The man holding his hand was red with rage and reached for his sword. But before he could begin to draw it, Garrick brought down his scimitar down in a swift slash. The man's scream ran throughout the woods as his hand was severed from the rest of them and dropped unceremoniously amongst the pine needles and dirt. Garrick flashed a look to the other man, who was stunned silent and pointed his sword at him. Take him to a doctor now. If you hurry, you'll make it before he bleeds to death. The man said nothing and quickly grabbed his friend as they fled towards town. The sky was slowly turning into hues of orange and purple as the sun set. Garrick sheathed his scimitar and turned towards the wolf. He held his hands up and slowly approached. The wolf stared silently for a short time, gauging the man's motives, before lowering his head to the ground. Garrick kneeled next to the bear trap that held the wolf's leg. Looking around, he found two small but sturdy sticks. Wedging them between the clamps, he looked at the wolf, who was now looking at him calmly, 
almost as if he understood what Garrick was trying to accomplish and was simply waiting. Garrick nodded and pushed the sticks against the clamp, slowly widening the gap. As soon as it was wide enough, the wolf pulled its leg out and Garrick let the trap close once again. The wolf looked at Garrick and slightly dipped its head before turning around to walk away. But as soon as the weight was put on the newly freed leg, the wolf whimpered and fell to the ground. Stay here, young one. I'll be right back, said Garrick before standing up and returning into the woods. He returned a short while later with a freshly filled water skin and pouch. Garrick had spent enough time in the forest to know which herbs could be helped to cure minor wounds, and he had left to collect some. The wolf was right where he had left it when he returned, and it appeared to be resting before Garrick came back into the small clearing. Garrick sat down next to the wolf, and finally after getting a closer look, realized it was a she-wolf. Alright girl, let's see what we can do about that leg of yours. He went about emptying the contents of his pouch and mixed it with the herbs. Once it was ready, he gently spread the mixture across the wound and used large oaken leaves to wrap it all in place. Satisfied with his work, Garrick moved back to let the she-wolf attempt to move again. She did so, but still visibly winched each time she took a step, before finally giving up and laying back down. The woods had darkened, and Garrick didn't want to leave the injured wolf unattended. Looks like it will take a little while to heal up enough there, girl. Let's say we eat some dinner. Garrick set up camp and started a small fire over which he cooked a rabbit. The she-wolf had moved closer to the fire at the smell of the cooking meat. Garrick slowly reached a hand over and pet her between the ears. The wolf laid her head down and seemed visibly relaxed. Once the rabbit was complete, Garrick pulled a small part for himself and set the rest in front of the wolf, which he quickly began to eat. As the pair finished their food, Garrick laid himself down next to the fire and slowly felt sleep take over. You did very well today, human. The strange voice suddenly seemed to come from everywhere. Garrick glanced around wildly, but saw nothing but empty forest filled with mist. Even the campfire and the she-wolf were gone. Do not worry, Garrick. You are still asleep, next to the fire and the wolf. This is merely a dream of sorts. You are in my realm. I am the spirit of this forest. Garrick had heard several stories of ancient spirits that watched over the forest when he was a child, but believed them to only be fairy tales. He tried to speak, but no words came to him. You need only listen, human. My time is short, and things must be done before we are finished. I have watched over these lands for centuries. However, man and Mur alike have grown and expanded their so-called wealth, have forgotten about the lands they have come from, have forgotten about those of us that protect these lands. They cut us down and hunt those that call these sacred places home, which makes us weaker. I can no longer protect these lands, but you can. I saw what you did today. And I believe it is time that those fat and lazy swine remember the rules of these lands. Suddenly, a glowing and white light emerged and took the form of an enormous wolf that stood as tall as Garrick. The animal approached him and gently touched his head to his. The light slowly swirling around him as the spirit spoke again. Be careful what you take from nature, for it might just take it back. And nature is red in tooth and claw. The remaining light flowed into Garrick as the last words echoed in his mind. He woke up with a start and again looked around wildly. The mist was gone, and the campfire, long burned out, was right where it was. The wolf, however, wasn't. I see the spirit spoke to you as well, human. A voice filled his head. It was feminine and strong. Garrick turned around to see the she-wolf seeing behind him. And it seems you already have the ability to speak with me. The spirit now resides within you, though it is weak. As time passes, it shall grow stronger, and so shall you. You have been chosen as the protector of these woods, and I have been chosen to accompany you. 
Garrick could only stare as he contemplated everything that was happening. The last words of the spirit still played in his head as he thought about the men from yesterday. Garrick finally looked into the she-wolf's eyes. Nature is red in tooth and claw, he said softly. In his mind, he could hear a small chuckle as the wolf stood. You have no idea. Garrick was so lost in his daydream that he didn't notice Morrow coming up behind him until she spoke. There's trouble. The animals are talking of a bird that arrived late in last night. It says that the lands it came from are under attack from humans, and their spirit is too weak to fight back. They're destroying the woodlands. Garrick rose. He then noticed that his new wolf friend was already healed. Garrick laid his hands on her head. Let's go make those pigs pay. This tale is called The Dark Lord by Paul Moreno. The village was in complete chaos. Every able-bodied man was standing at the gates with bows readied. He was coming along with his ravenous horde. The sound of their marching filled the air with a terrible rhythmic grind that was getting louder and louder. Then, as it reached its awful crescendo, the sound ceased almost immediately. Every man stood in anticipation, their hearts pounding together like drums of war. Then a loud thunderous explosion tore the village gate wide open. Hold your fire! A voice yelled through the haze of smoke and fire. As the smoke cleared, the villagers began to make out two silhouettes. One, a tall spindly figure with a familiarly stout man kneeled over the ground. Gasps sound from the crowd as the identities of the two figures became clear. The stout man on the ground was the villa's chief. The tall man looming over him was none other than the insidious Lord of Misery himself. Tenebrius. Howdy. The Dark Lord greeted the villagers after an awkward silence. I am Lord Tenebrius. I mean, well, obviously. I mean, how many other Dark Lords do you know? Another awkward silence followed, during which the Lord's minions began to sulk in behind him. Anywho, citizens of, uh, Beechwood, his lieutenant whispered to the Dark Lord, who often forgets the names of villages they were raiding. Beechwood. The Dark Lord could not contain his amusement. That's really the best you could come up with. He nudged the village chief, who was leering at the ground in shame. Like were all the other shades of brown taken? The Dark Lord inquired. The village chief finally looked up at Tenebrius. One of his eyes was swollen shut, the other blackened by a beating. Please, spare them, the chief pleaded. Tenebrius nodded. I will, if they stand down. The Dark Lord looked up at the battle-ready villagers. You heard that? Stand down, and you'll all be spared. You will all be sent to the flesh pits, his lieutenant chimed in. The Dark Lord turned to the eager orc. Gord, how many times do I have to tell you to stop telling him that? They're not going to want to surrender if you keep yapping about the flesh pits. Tenebris turned back to the villagers. And they're not as bad as they sound. Then let me tell you, they are going to be way better than having your villages raised, okay? Let me explain. It's either flesh pits or we're going to pillage and burn everything. And you know, take the kids for food. We got a deal. The villagers showed no sign of ease. Tenebris sighed and looked down at the village chief. I'm trying here, but they not making it easy. We are proud people. You will not go down without a fight, the village chief informed the Dark Lord. Yeah, good grief. I knew a people from a place called Beigewood would be so difficult. Well, I tried. Guards, do your work. The orc let out a guttural roar as he and his men of marauders charged at the villagers. No! The village chief screamed as he watched his people die. Lord Tenebris opened a portal to a secret lair and left the gruesome scene behind. What a day! Hello, Lord Tenebris. Tenebrius' many concubines all greeted him at once. Hello, ladies. Tenebrius began stripping down his battle armor and removed the crown of agony, the source of Tenebrius' dark power and what made his skin ashen black. 
He placed it on its pedestal and took his seat on his throne of bones. Gods, whoever thought it was a smart idea to make my throne out of the bones of those I've killed really had no concept of comfort. His concubines flanked him, each expressing their appreciation for his return. Oh, Dark Lord, I've missed you. Your supremacy. How anxious I've awaited your return. Oh, Dark Lord, how I've wanted to feel your... All right, all right, ladies, I get it. Even I can tell when you all are putting it on. Away with all y'all. The Dark Lord beckoned for them to leave. As the concubines left the Chamber of Doom, Lord Tenebris' right-hand man stepped in. A prim and proper dark elf named Malo Drexen entered. I assume the raid of Beechwood is underway. Oh yeah, Beechwood looks more like Redwood now. Clever as always. Drexen complimented the Dark Lord. He then fell into a throaty fit of laughter, a common occurrence for the smarmy elf. Anyone ever tell you, when you laugh, you sound like you have a cock in your mouth. Drexen ceased his laughter upon hearing the Dark Lord's comment. Uh, no? Well, it really sounds like that. Hmm. An awkward silence followed. Anyways, what were you going to tell me? Ah, yes. My lord, with this raid, we have the momentum to march into the city of Fila and burn it asunder. The den of gluttony will rule the day its banished son returned to enact its vengeance upon his former home. Ha <laughs> ha, yes. Shall I raid our forces? Drexen was alive with excitement. Ah. The Dark Lord replied. And like that, Drexen's jubilation was wounded. What do you mean, eh? Drexen asked the Dark Lord in disbelief. Eh, maybe not yet. But sir, we finally have all the resources we need to mount an attack. We cannot delay any longer. Sheesh, it's not like the city is going anywhere. Yes, but if our word of success reaches Fila, and it will, and we're not already on our way, they will have ample time to strengthen the defenses. Our advantage will be gone, and our likelihood of success will diminish severely. Well, we can always raid more villages. Aren't you tired of raiding backwater hellholes? It's time we take our status beyond that of a malevolent marauder. You have the potential to seize the entire known world with the power the crown grants you. And yet you're complacent with being no more than a low-level warlord. Low-level? I know I'm not all that in a bottle of meat, but I'm more than a low-level warlord. I'm at least, uh, upper-middle-class warlord. My apologies, your supremacy. Drexen turns to leave. I will leave you to ponder. Drexen exited the chambers of doom. Once out, he turned to the guards. We do it tonight. Later that night, while the Dark Lord slept, treachery was afoot. Uh, what's going on? Tenebris opened his eyes to see he was no longer naked in his bed of pleasure surrounded by concubines and was instead stripped bare in the dark with only the sound of roaring water around him. Good morning, Tenebris. What the hell is going on? Something I should have done long time ago. Where am I? And why is it so dark? Oh my gosh, my head hurts. Did I drink too much? I only remember having one bottle of wine. Shut up. What? Do you know who you're speaking to? The bag on Tenebris' head was taken off. The light blinded him. When his eyes finally adjusted, he could finally see the owner of the voice that was rudely speaking to him. Drexen, what's going on? You're being put in your place. Tenebris noticed his crown of agony was in Drexen's hands. Such a shame, the Dark Lord was killed by Philean assassins and his body dumped into a raging river. Tenebris noticed how he was on the cliff overlooking a river. But fortunately, he had a capable second-in-command who was willing to take the burden of the crown. Drexen put the crown of agony on his head. The drow's skin turned into a dark ash in response to the crown obtaining a new owner. Tenebris' skin returned to his natural pasty white complexion. What are you doing? Tenebris asked in a calm voice. My, you are such an idiot. You're lucky you'll be remembered at all when I'm gone. Take solace in knowing that I'll make you a martyr, so those who follow you will have no reservation taking down Fila with me. Drexen belted out one of his cock laughs. And then the world. 
Drexen harnesses new power to produce a blood-red flame in his hands. Well, Tenebris, it's time for you too. Tenebris immediately rolled off the cliff. Unbeknownst to him, the cliff didn't fall directly into the river. Instead, Tenebris fell 50 feet onto a shallow, rocky riverbed. What a fucking idiot. Drexen turned with his guards to leave. Let's go make history. Drexen opened up a portal and left Tenebris' near-dead body behind. Tenebris could feel the warm blood flowing out of his head as his vision began to fade. Before it went completely black, though, Tenebris swore he saw a figure on the other side of the river. Lord Tenebris, do not be afraid. A voice boomed into Tenebris' ringing ears. What the fuck no? Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. If you want to share your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this tale, share it with your friends, family, and adventuring party. And if you can, please leave a review to help this reach the entirety of the planes of existence. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter for teasers and updates. Again, thanks for listening, and return in a fortnight for the next episode. That's two weeks. Bye.